0: stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Welcome to this hour of the program. Rob Breckenridge with you here on this Friday afternoon. Our number 403-974-TALK. That's 974 A lot more still to get to in the program here this afternoon. Uh, but off the top in this hour, uh, I want to have a conversation around what are perhaps the most infamous serial killers of what has been kind of pinpointed as the, the era of serial killers. I guess, you know, from the late 60s through the 70s and maybe into the 80s, there seem to be a lot of them. But one in particular... Uh, has uh, led to a, a lot of interest and fascination over the years. There's been movies, much written about the Zodiac killer, or just Zodiac, as he's referred to. Five confirmed murders, but perhaps dozens. He claims to have killed 37. Authorities believe it's possible. It could be a number in the 20s. It's, it's hard to know for sure. And this was in Northern California from the late 60s into the early 70s. The Zodiac nickname came from some of the taunting letters and cards he sent to the media. Some of those were cryptograms. So I think between those messages, just the fact that he was never caught, there's a lot of fascination with this case, and even still to this day. And here we are with some 50 years later, and there's been a new development in this case. One of those coded messages that was sent to a San Francisco newspaper in 1969, has finally been cracked. All kinds of different experts had to go with this over the years, and they couldn't figure it out. This was one of four coded messages that has now finally been solved by some amateur codebreakers. So it's a really fascinating development. I don't know if it brings us closer to solving some of the mysteries here, but it is uh, certainly interesting nonetheless. Uh, joining us to talk more about this development and uh, more about this case very pleased to welcome to the program someone who has followed this very closely. His uh, name is Michael Butterfield. He writes at Zodiac Facts, or rather, ZodiacKillerFacts.com. He's a writer and researcher. Michael, great to have you with us here this afternoon. Welcome to the program.
1: Thanks for having me on.
0: So, yeah, a lot, a lot I want to talk about, but let's start with the, the news from last week. Uh, the fact that this 340 cipher, as it's known, has been solved after all of these years, what was your initial reaction and, and how significant is it
1: well like many people who have been following this case for years my initial reaction was shock <laughs> um yeah. i think some of us thought that the actual case might be solved before some of these ciphers were solved so i got the message uh about a week before it broke and uh the one of the individuals involved david ranchak had sent me a message and It was on my day off when I sleep in, so I saw there was a message, and I reached over and checked the phone. I'm like, oh, it's a message, you know, and I set it aside, and then I was like, wait, what? (laughs) Wait, this is real, and uh, so over the course of the next week, while Dave and uh, Sam Blake and uh, Jarl von Eike, who had worked on this cipher together, while they were trying to get the uh, approval to go ahead with a public announcement from the FBI, you know, I was absorbing this news just like the rest of us, and trying to uh, understand, as you said, what it actually means for the case. So it was it was a real shock, but it was the kind of shock that you want. And after 51 years, you know, I'm 51 years old myself. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, it was like someone had hit pause and then just hit play. And all of a sudden you were hearing the voice of the Zodiac in real time.
0: Yeah, and it certainly fits with with a lot of these other messages that he sent. But, I mean, did we know this whole time that it was solvable? Because there was always the possibility, I mean, given how elaborate it was, maybe it was all just gibberish. But did we know that there was something there?
1: Well, a lot of people have suspected that it was just gibberish, largely based on the notion that it couldn't be solved, and therefore it it must not be a real cipher. Mm-hmm. Um but there were a lot of other people, including experts, who thought there was something to it. It's interesting to note that in 2009, I was in a television show called Mystery Quest for the History Channel, and they had a an expert, Dan Olson, from the FBI on that show. And Dan Olson believed that the what they would call the statistics about the cipher, patterns, variations, and things like that, indicated that there was a message in there and that Dan Olson believed that the cipher should be broken into two parts and that the message would be found in in these parts in a different way than it was actually rearranged. And in reality, when the cipher was solved, it was broken into three parts and the cipher was in the first two parts. So there's been a lot of speculation about it over the years, and some people believed it was just gibberish, but other people, including David Aranchak, who had studied it, Lean towards the idea that there was something to it. And of course, they turned out to be right.
0: In terms of why he would have used these, these codes in the first place, because it wasn't as though he was revealing information, you know, where, where bodies are buried or something. This is, you know, it seems yes. like more of his, his boasting and, and taunting. What do you think the point of the coded messages was?
1: Well, a lot of people believe that the ciphers were, served several purposes. The first, of course, was a demonstration of his power that sending a cipher and getting everybody all excited and trying to crack it and creating all kinds of busy work and sending them to run around in circles, that was probably part of it. But I think also there's the idea that he believed he was an extremely important person. And so he thought that his thoughts were special. And excuse me, as we've found with the new solution to the cipher, it's really just a bad sequel to the first cipher, which was about Collecting slaves in the afterlife, and uh, um, you know, not being afraid of death and things. He just repeated those same themes again in this new cipher. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me. And I think that uh, one of the things that may have been important to him was that the first cipher was cracked very quickly in a matter of days. And my theory had always been that he was a little disappointed by that because he wanted it to drag out longer and for there to be more suspense. So when he sent the second cipher, he apparently made it much more difficult to solve. And that was always my belief, that it was difficult to solve because he made it very difficult to solve and maybe a little too hard to solve. So that's why it took 51 years. But I think in the end, you know, like a lot of serial killers, the Zodiac had a giant ego, and this was all to serve his ego.
0: And it's interesting how it goes out of his way in this message to mention... Um, this, this call to a, a TV show back in, I think it was October of 1969, mm-hmm. an, an Oakland uh, television talk show. And he goes out of his way in this to to emphasize that that wasn't him. Is, is, is that mm-hmm. more of the, the ego showing through here?
1: I think so. Uh, for your listeners, on October 22nd 1969, someone called into the Oakland Police Department and demanded that lawyer uh, Melvin Belli or F. Lee Bailey appear on a local talk show hosted by Jim Dunbar. And when they were on the show, someone called in claiming to be the Zodiac using the name Sam. And this person complained about headaches and threatened to kill children and all kinds of things. And it was a very, um, you know, it it was very dramatic and sensational. But the three people who had listened to the Zodiac's voice, either in person, a surviving victim, or two police dispatchers who spoke to him on the phone, all agreed that this person on the show was not the real Zodiac. But that person called in again there was several calls to melvin Belli's home which eventually led the police to arrest an individual in a mental hospital and they concluded that that person was not the zodiac however over the years and especially with the movie zodiac that came out in 2007 it's encouraged this notion that the person who called was probably the real zodiac when that isn't true so It's interesting that in the 51 years since that talk show, this theory has developed that it was the real Zodiac, and then 51 years later we cracked the cipher that he sent two weeks after the TV show, and he says it wasn't me. And I think the reason it's significant is because the way that Sam appeared on the television show was kind of a pathetic character. And when the Zodiac sent a letter to Melvin Belli after that show he included a piece of a victim's shirt to prove that it was really him as a distinction between himself and that person on the show. And the letter seems like it's almost a, a mockery of the character Sam on TV. So I think the Zodiac was kind of insulted by the idea that people would think he was such a pathetic character, and he not only mocked them for that belief, but then decided to correct them with that letter and the piece of the victim's shirt.
0: Right, and it, it all... You know, adds to to the just, you know, the fascinating elements of, of this story. And I think why that's that's endured over the years, you know, you have this this evil presence that seemingly comes out of nowhere, he commits these heinous crimes, is taunting police and the authorities in, in a very unusual fashion, and then he's just kind of gone. And this uh-huh. lingering mystery, right? I mean, so it's easy to see why why there's such a fascination with it. What what was it for you? What first got you interested in this?
1: Well, when I was growing up, I had an interest in true crime stories, which was back then considered weird. Now it's considered weird if you're not. Normal, right? um, exactly. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I uh, I grew up uh, across the street from a, a homicide detective who worked on many uh, important cases. <clears throat> excuse me, here in Arizona. And uh, he would occasionally mention the Zodiac as a kind of boogeyman character, you know, and uh, that piqued my interest. And then I saw a movie called Time After Time that came out back then where they mentioned Zodiac. And then I I started going to the public library and trying to look up articles and things. And over the years, it developed into an interest trying to separate facts from fiction because the Zodiac case is plagued with a lot of fiction and myths and falsehoods. Mm -hmm. So, eventually, my interest in it developed into an interest in trying to find out what actually happened because I realized I couldn't rely on a lot of these other popular sources. But I think for a lot of people, it's not just the fact that the Zodiac hasn't been caught that makes it so fascinating. It's the way that society reacted to it, the way that it's influenced popular culture, the way that it's influenced other criminals. There have been copycat killers uh, over the years. And uh, so I think originally it started out just as sort of a boogeyman mystery like Jack the Ripper or something like that. But over the years, it developed into more of an interest in learning about the case and trying to find out what actually happened. Because if we can't identify the Zodiac, at the very least, I'd like to know what actually occurred.
0: Right. I I wonder, too, And when you read up on the case, and, you know, there's some eyewitness accounts. We've got this this sketch of of what he might have looked like and you know you think for somebody so so sinister and somebody who had people so so terrified he seems so unassuming right he just he yeah. seems like the yeah. kind of person who could just blend into a crowd right does that does that add to the mystique do you think
1: oh yeah you know we've always liked to believe that monsters look like monsters that they have right. horns and you know drooling madmen and that kind of thing mm-hmm. And I think in the 70s, we realized that a lot of serial killers are like Ted Bundy. They look like somebody you know. They seem like nice people when they're not murdering human beings. And the Zodiac seemed rather nondescript. And it's interesting that in the late 1960s, of course, which was the counterculture movement and the hippie movement in the San Francisco Bay Area and everything, he looks very clean cut. And But he also looks like millions of other men looked in the 1960s, you know, crew cut horn-rimmed glasses. Um, So I think that there's also something about that that's intriguing, that, you know, he's not described as some kind of hulking monster. He looks like he could be your dad or your neighbor. And I think that's more terrifying, because you can't recognize those people when you see them, and you can't immediately identify them as a danger.
0: Now there's that question about whether this could ever be solved. The Golden State killer, another California serial killer, you know, decades later was was caught and and you know mm. brought before court. It was a remarkable moment. You know, whether this guy's even still alive is an open question. I don't think we have a good DNA sample like we had in the Golden State Killer case, but what are your thoughts on whether we'll ever be able to provide some some certainty here to solve some of these mysteries and who this guy was?
1: Uh, You know, I am asked that question all the time, and I always say I'm not sure whether I'm answering what I really believe or what I want. (laughs) And I would obviously love to see the case solved, but there's been a lot of uh, obstacles in the way of that for years, especially the lack of a full DNA uh, profile of the Zodiac, which, you know, in the Golden State Killer case, they had semen from a crime scene, which produced a lot of DNA. In the Zodiac case, we're talking about saliva on the back of stamps and a few other items possibly. So uh, I'd like to be optimistic about it. I'm trying to be optimistic and realistic about it, which means that, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens. But I do know that efforts have been made. It's, I'd like to believe that everything that can be done is being done. And I think that the law enforcement investigators really do want to see this case solved. Um, but also at the same time, something like the cipher being solved is a big deal in the sense that it does give hope about maybe more answers in the case. You know, a lot of people didn't think that cipher would ever be solved, and it's been cracked. And there are two other remaining ciphers, including one which is referred to as the My Name Is cipher, because the Zodiac wrote My Name Is in a series of symbols. And unfortunately, that cipher and the other remaining unsolved cipher are very short They only consist of a a small number of symbols, which makes it much harder to crack that code. But I'm optimistic now because after 51 years, we finally did get a break in the case. And maybe, as many people have said, we didn't get the answer that we wanted. The cipher didn't include a name or any clues or anything. But it is a break, and it is important because it means you can make a development in this case. You can move forward. So I'm trying to be optimistic that 2021 will be a better year than 2020 in many ways. And uh, if 2020 helped us produce the solution to the 340 Cypher again <laughs> with David Ranchak and Sam Blake and Jarl Von working together online, that's an amazing accomplishment. And it gives me hope about the case itself being solved. <laughs>
0: All right, well, if people want to read more uh, on this development and more on the case, and it's a great resource for you know sorting through some of the, the myths and misconceptions around this case, it's ZodiacKillerFacts.com. Michael, it's been great talking to you here today. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, all the best. Take care. Michael Butterfield, he's a writer-researcher, ZodiacKillerFacts.com, so something he's been uh, researching and writing about for a long time. And uh, like you said, I mean, this is... Uh, Certainly a significant development, just in the sense that this stumped people for decades, and now we know what it says. We'll take a break. I'll, I'll read you what it says, if you're curious, uh, and a few more thoughts on this. Much more still to get to here. We're back after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.